by dollar cost average. You know, you don't plow in immediately. I, I learned the lesson in the aftermath of 1973-74, which was very comparable to today. On WealthTrack, an exclusive interview with noted value investor Charlie Dreyfus. Funding provided by ClearBridge Investments, First Eagle Investments, Royce Investment Partners, Matthews Asia, Strategus Asset Management, and Women Investing in Security and Education. Hello and welcome to this edition of WealthTrack. I'm Consuelo Mack. We are in the midst of what could be called the Great Unwinding. As this week's guest, noted small cap value investor Charlie Dreyfus wrote to clients recently, during 2020 and 2021, Washington pumped about $10 trillion of fiscal and monetary stimulus into the U.S. economy. And the result was a relatively minor increase in GDP of $2.3 trillion. Household net worth, however, increased by $34 trillion versus annual GDP of only $24 trillion. Individuals were given two years of income in the form of higher values for their homes and securities investments. All of this appears to be unwinding now, and we should expect to pay the price as the economy regresses to the mean. Well, Dreyfus goes on to write, Further, our economies and financial markets are being impacted by war, inflation, Fed tightening, higher bond yields, China's lockdowns, supply chain constraints, COVID waves, including new variants, and the consequences of climate change. He rhetorically asks, what are the offsetting impacts and how many are there to balance the considerable risks we face? To me, the scale currently tilts towards an unfavorable risk-reward calculus. Charlie Dreyfus has joined us for an exclusive WealthTrack interview to answer those questions and many more. For those of you not familiar with Dreyfus, he is an investment legend whose in-depth financial analysis in the small cap universe and mantra making money by losing less have been hallmarks of most of his 50 plus years on Wall Street. Dreyfus is lead portfolio manager of the Roy Small Cap Special Equity Fund, which he launched in 1998. He was named Morningstar's Domestic Stock Fund Manager of the Year in 2008. The fund is rated four-star by Morningstar and carries a bronze analyst rating. Special equities' risk-averse approach means it lags in bull markets, but it's no slouch. It still captured 80% of the upside, but by design, it provided protection in down markets, experienced only 66% of the market declines. As a result, it has beaten its benchmark with less risk since inception. Royce has been a WealthTrack sponsor. I began the interview by asking Dreyfus for his 50-plus-year Wall Street perspective. Just how unfavorable is the risk-reward calculus right now? It's uh, less uh, unfavorable than it was at the market peak. Obviously, we've had a decline. The decline is not sufficient enough uh, to offset essentially 13 years of silliness. We've had, uh, ever since the great financial crisis, we've had excess liquidity in the system exacerbated in the past two and a half years by the pandemic. So it's unreasonable to assume that the recent decline, both in terms of duration and amount, is sufficient to cure all the ills that have 
infected, <laughs> a good term these days, uh, the system. And so um, we're not out of the woods. And you are saying basically that, that it, it's not if we have a recession, it's that it's how long and how deep it's going to be and if it could end up being uh, a stagflationary environment. How long, how deep, uh, and what about stagflation, which we haven't seen in 40 years? The Federal Reserve has to be decisive. They have to remove slack in the economy. We still currently have two openings for every person seeking a job. That mismatch um, will continue to cause pressure on the, uh, wa on the wages and the mm -hmm. whole compensation package. And uh, that service inflation uh, can perpetuate a lot of other inflation. If the Federal Reserve is sincere about getting us back down to the historic two, two and a half percent inflation target. There's a lot of pain ahead. Right. You don't cure a situation that we're in when you have 3.6 or 3.7% unemployment. Unemployment has to be much higher. Now, do we have the will and the fortitude to you know, take that on and endure the pain, but you cannot cure inflation. No country has ever been able to successfully cure inflation without the related pain. One barometer that you that you look at in uh, in measuring the outlook for the stock market uh, is the number of S and P 500 companies that are yielding more or less than the 10-year Treasury note. And you know, for years and years, you had uh, uh, you know, most of the S&P 500 companies, their yields were, uh, were over the 10-year Treasury Correct. note, which yeah. meant that stocks were you know, very attractive. I mean, they were talking about Tina. There is no right. alternative to stocks. Um, and now that has reversed. So what, what does that tell you? And actually you declared in, in the letter to clients that you wrote recently that Tina is dead. Uh, yes. you know, <laughs> what, what does this mean for, for stocks? It's another sign that tells you the risk reward has changed because you can get, if, if you're seeking income, and I think incidentally, income is gonna be more important uh, I believe that we're headed in an environment where total return from the stock market will be considerably lower than it's been over this past decade. We have, and again, the 50 years has shown me this, there's always a regression to the mean. You over-earn and then you under-earn, and it eventually comes back to the trend line. So um, we've over-earned, so we're going to be earning less and dividends are going to be more important. But the point is that, frankly, the yield curve currently is inverted. You can earn right. more investing in a two-year treasury, of, I don't know, 3.1, 3.2, versus the 10-year, which is 2.8. Right. So there are very few stocks that yield more than 3.2, and 
buying, uh, you know, there's a point that clearly you want to take advantage. You want to be opportunistic about the stock market. But I would argue, and frankly, what I'm doing in terms of the accounts I manage, including the fund, is I dollar cost average. You know, you don't plow in immediately. I, I learned a lesson in the uh, aftermath of 1973-74, which was lo- very comparable to today. We had you think, nifty fit. You think? Yeah. Wow, yeah, because be- that's a big statement. That was a terrible time for investors. It well, but it, it, it followed the Nifty 50, which True. is uh, the fang. We uh, embarked on very high inflation. Um, and we had scarcity of oil that time only. But the similarities are quite compelling to me. And I had a, a trader that taught me a lesson, a very valuable lesson. Because uh, I, I was a young portfolio manager f- with a great deal of cash, fortunately, that in my account, I managed pension funds, which is a scary concept that a 30-year-old would be managing a pension account. But in any event, uh, I was, and I had the wherewithal to buy a lot of stocks. And he said to me, Charlie, you don't get it. It's a bear market. And this was 19, late 74, and the right. market didn't bottom until uh, 82. So he was very right. So he gave me the notion of by thinking of a pyramid, start at the tip, at the top of the pyramid, and as the market declines, expand your buying. So you you increase purchases at lower prices. And on days it goes up, don't buy anything because it is more than likely in a day or two, the market will be down. And that has, importantly to me, served my clients really well. You're not fully invested, you know, at the market bottom, but you've accumulated stocks that you really want to buy at very attractive prices. And then when when it's clear that the market has finally bottomed, yes, you have to be more aggressive. You don't wait for declines anymore and you, you buy much more. But on the way down, until we know, and and there is so much missing in terms Mm -hmm. of signals of a market bottom. You know, it's interesting. Um, Another comparable period would have been the dot-com bubble. Right. Which, um, you know, March of 2000 was the peak. October of 2002 was when it bottomed. And from peak to bottom, the NASDAQ, the NASDAQ 100, declined 80%, 80%. Yet there were eight rallies yes. in that period of time. The bear market rallies, right. Right, that were 26% on average. Yeah. Sort of comparable to what you know we're seeing. But yet it didn't bottom. So you've got to be very disciplined. It takes a restraint because, you know, you think this is awfully cheap. But... Uh, you can't buy cheap stocks with other cheap stocks. The way to add alpha to results is to have the cash to deploy when the market is really low. You want to be opportunistic. So, Charlie, it sounds to me as if you don't think we're anywhere close to a bottom. 
Uh, we're, we're entering a period of quantitative tightening. And similar to what we saw in quantitative easing, there are, you know, unknown repercussions. And I suspect in quantitative tightening, they're not going to be positive. And we have a situation currently where money supply is flat and it may actually go down. I was blessed in my first career at Oppenheimer to have been taught by none other than Milton Friedman on monetary theory because he was very close friend of my boss. Wow. And um, the, the degree to which money supply is in excess of the economy or in deficiency of the economy does cause financial assets to rise and fall. And we are in a period now, it's known as Marshallian K. It's uh, an economist, uh, Marshall, in the late 1800s that first introduced this uh, theory. But um, we're in a period now where that's going against us. It's interesting. Everyone rallies around the point on the bullish side, don't fight the Fed. You know, the right. Fed is pumping money. Be bullish. Well, we have the reverse. It works the other it, way, too. Right. Yeah, it works the other way. You know, I'm thinking of the Royce small cap special equity fund. You've got 18 to 19 percent cash position right now. I'm thinking about you, what you were saying. I love that that pyramid um, that, you know, you buy more as prices decline, dollar cost averaging. The beautiful thing about uh, the cash position and the way, uh, incidentally, special equity, the Royce uh, small cap special equity fund has existed with other names for 42 years. And from its inception, it has a self-governing mechanism which takes the mystery out of deciding, is this a good time or a bad time? My colleagues and I, Steve McBoyle and Tim Hipskind and I, use a valuation uh, technique that uh, measures, much like private equity does mm -hmm. or a strategic buyer, what we would earn if we bought the entire company as contrasted to what it would cost us to finance that acquisition and in to try to come up with something rather than calculate each company separately, we use the junk bond yield, which incidentally uh, has doubled in the last four months, although it's come off of that peak right. a little bit recently. So that's so, super conservative, actually, because the companies that you're investing in, they are not junk bond, qual bond quality at all. If anything, they have pristine balance sheets and you know uh, very strong cash flow. They're really as solid as you can get. That's a great observation, Consuelo, but it's consistent. We use whatever metric works against us. Okay. We, we stress test. To, to get into the portfolio, you, you have to jump an awful lot of hurdles. And uh, that's why the portfolio generally doesn't have all that many names, particularly for a small cap fund. Right, about 29, but, uh, right? I think you've got now. Yeah, uh, yeah right. thereabouts, yep. And we, um, which is a manifestation of the difficulty of finding names. So what happens is when a stock appreciates, uh, and even if interest rates haven't moved, 
um, as it no longer has that return that equals the even lower uh, interest rate, we start uh, reducing position and eventually sell it. Mm -hmm. And if we can't find anything to replace it, it goes to cash. So the cash position is a result of not being able to find anything to replace what you have basically reduced in the portfolio because they got overvalued or fairly valued. Exactly. Okay. The, the cash position and the number of holdings is a function of the opportunity set. Right. This methodology, which again, we've had a lot of experience with, gets you to cash a bit early. And I've had clients, and I, I can't argue with them, they say, they say there's a fine line between being early and wrong. And I get it. Uh, so I may have too much cash when the market is still rising. But eventually the market does, when those conditions uh, persist, where we have a, a poor opportunity set, the market retreats. The degree of, to which varies, but it retreats. So let me give you a, a good example. Um, going into uh, the COVID outbreak in March of 2020, the market had already risen uh, rapidly and we had raised cash consistent with this approach. We found things to sell and we couldn't find things to buy. Um, so we had a lot of cash uh, on the onset of COVID. Between uh, the, the end of March and the middle of April, we expanded the portfolio nearly by a third. We went from 33 names to 43 names. Wow. We added 10 names. And within 10 months, seven of those names were sold at an average gain of over 90%. Wow. That's the alpha I alluded to before. Charlie, give us at least one example of, of a company that kind of you know, represents, it's the special equity type of company. We have, as you mentioned before, companies with really good businesses and pristine financials. So it's, it's counterintuitive to what's going on, but a good example, a great example, I would argue, would be Movado, the watch company, although they're watch and jewelry. People think of them in terms of Movado watches, but they make other high-end, eBell uh, mm -hmm. is a brand, but they also do a lot of licensing, uh, Calvin Klein, Hugo Boss, um, Fossil, things like that. But and they're consumer actually, discretionary, Charlie. And right. We're, we've got a global recession possibly right. going on. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but the price already reflects it. So the, the uh, return to the buyer calculated the way we do would be around 20% these days. Um, and again, using a junk bond yield of eight or 9%, there's a huge spread even if earnings come down. Uh, we would still have a positive carry in the parlance of Wall Street, meaning we would earn more than it's costing us. It um, yields over 4%. And, and this company is very conservatively uh, managed, uh, has zero debt, no debt of any sort, zero. 
and has recently begun share repurchases. Those factors are important in value creation, in accretive stock prices, in an environment that is more challenging. We're going to have lower returns. You know, people also forget, think of, you know, 2000, 2010. We also had it 1965 to 1982. You could have long stretches right. of essentially zero returns. Right, the lost decades, and yeah. it can happen. I hope, I hope we're not heading into a lost decade. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of ways for making up for excesses. Mm-hmm. One way is uh, a market decline and, you know, do it and you're done with it. The other way is the protracted, long, dull market. Right. In which case, as you said, the total return, uh, you know, paying attention to companies' financial strength and their ability to pay a dividend and to do share buybacks is going to be more important uh, than it has in recent history. Yeah, and, 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 and in times of uncertainty and, and Fed tightening, in times of rising interest rates, in times of rising um, yield spreads, credit spreads. Charlie, one investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, you of course cannot recommend your own fund. Uh, what would you recommend that, that we consider to put in our portfolios? Well, contrarian that I am, uh, I will suggest foreign securities with no hedging of the currency. So you're essentially buying foreign securities and their underlying foreign currencies. That is a contrarian recommendation. As you can get, as you can get, yeah. And um, again, it's early and I advise people, whether it's this or any other thing they're buying, uh, to use that pyramid concept and take your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, uh, the symbol is IQDG. It's the Wisdom Tree International Growth Fund. It's high quality, non-US, non-Canadian dividend growers. I believe in dividend growth. It holds names like Roche, and Louis Vuitton, you know, it's blue chips. It has very little exposure to financial and banks. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, this uh, is opportunistic. It probably is early and it could be very early, but the relative valuations uh, abroad, particularly in Europe, have been decimated. Uh, for good reason. Uh, I'm not suggesting that uh, people are um, incorrect in their assessment. The question is, you know, will a Roche continue to prosper? And I would answer mm-hmm. yes. Will a Louis Vuitton continue to prosper? And I will answer, answer yes. And I would also argue that the current valuations more than reflect the headwinds they face. And you're getting a 3% plus yield uh, the expense ratio is reasonable, and um, it's a double whammy if it works because not only do you get the share price increase, but because the share is domiciled in a foreign currency, if the currency, if the dollar, if the dollar stops going up, right. which at some point it will, 
against all of these currencies. So you're buying things on the cheap. And uh, the value investor that I am, I like doing that. Charlie Dreyfus, such a treat to have you on WealthTrack. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your incredible perspective as well on what's going on in the markets. Thanks, Charlie. Well, thank you, Consuelo, for giving me the opportunity. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is a familiar one. It is don't fight the Fed. However, for the first time in over a decade, that means reducing your exposure to stocks and other so-called risk assets instead of adding to them. As the Fed hikes interest rates and withdraws liquidity from the financial system, all of the investments that benefited from zero interest rates, loose money, and speculation are going into reverse. High multiple growth stocks, special purpose acquisition companies or SPACs, high yield bonds, cryptocurrencies, private equity funds, hedge funds, basically any investment that relies on leverage will be under pressure until this tightening cycle ends and another easing cycle begins, all of which could be months from now. In the meantime, reducing your exposure to them will protect you from some of their downside risk. Well, next week, we have a rare interview with great global value investor Tom Russo on which companies are positioned to compound returns even through these challenging times. In this week's extra feature, Charlie Dreyfus shares some timeless investment wisdom from some of his mentors. In the meantime, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for spending time with us. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.